Hey, I'm Rich. And I'm Ruben. And welcome to Clarity, where we discuss the ideas and experiences that shape how we think and live. And today, we're not going to focus on my ideas and experiences or Ruben's ideas and experiences. Yes, it is another interview. We're here with our friend and colleague, Matt Stockdale. Morning. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Or evening or afternoon, whenever it happens. Whenever you're listening, I don't know if you're maybe yeah. jogging, washing the dishes. Right now, we're in this beautiful afternoon in Lake Geneva, Alaska. It's a Carolina Can meeting and just wanted to have a really wonderful conversation with Matt. There's a lot uh, that we can talk about, right, Rich? For sure. For example, Matt was just telling us that uh, we need to, you aren't rushing us, Matt. We don't feel that, but you are going to be in court in the morning. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm an attorney. I'm currently employed as an assistant district attorney in Greensboro, North Carolina, High Point, North Carolina. And I have to be in court tomorrow morning uh, to prosecute some cases. Man, but you said it might be an easy week. I think it might be an easy week. It's a, it's a short week. It's Memorial Day week. So it's a four-day week instead of a five-day week. Nice. So usually when we say uh, people that have to go to court, they're usually in trouble or doing something something that they shouldn't be in or probably, I, I don't know. But in, in the case of Matt, uh, Matt's case, it's just a, another day. Matt's case, huh? Matt's case. Oh, oh, that's a pun oh. right there. We should probably get going before we torture these people further. That's our small talk for today. Yeah. So Matt, you are not just a lawyer, huh? I am not. I am also the volunteer lay pastor of a church in Greensboro. Well, so tell us, tell us how you made that transition from being just, uh, well, you can start further back if you like. This is us discovering how God's given you clarity in life, transformed how you think and live. So. Um, so I was started practicing law back in 2000 um, okay. and I was uh, eventually opened up my own law firm uh, as a criminal defense attorney. So I switched sides from where I was really? then to where I am now. So I used to try and keep the people out of jail. Now I try and put them in the jail. <laughs> um, wow. So what yeah. is more satisfying to you? It's, it's hard to say. I mean, quality of life being a DA is better because it's a Monday through Friday, eight to five job. But the... Hmm. But the income level of being a criminal defense attorney was certainly better than it mm-hmm. is being a state employee. So mm. both have goods and ba- good sides and bad sides. Um, but so I was, had my own law firm uh, and fairly successful law firm. I don't want to toot my own horn too much, but I was six-figure income, wow. um, night, mm. driving nice cars, uh, taking nice vacations. Uh, but, you know, I felt the Holy Spirit tugging me. Uh, hmm. I felt him telling me that uh, he wanted me to start a church, to plant a church. Um, and I fought it for a while. Uh, I said that, you know, I, I don't have time. I was working 70, 80 hours a week and right. just don't yeah. have the time to do anything in addition to that. So but, you were pretty much a pastor with the working hours. Yes, I was, uh, had two full-time jobs. <laughs> but uh, right. like three pastors regarding the pay. <laughs> that, is, that is true. Um, so, but the Holy Spirit didn't give up. Uh, so mm. eventually I gave in, I shut my law firm down, Wow! took a job, uh, as an, as a DA, about a 50% pay cut, uh, from where I was, uh, my wife, God bless her. Uh, she supported me. Uh, mm. we are still driving the same cars now that we were driving seven years ago, wow. uh, because we don't have the money that we used to have. Uh, <laughs> so when I did that, that, that I told the Lord, I said, okay, uh, now I'm only working Monday through Friday to five, 40 hours. I still got another 30 or 40 in me that I'm used to working. Mm. Uh, so we planted a church. Wow. Praise the Lord. Yep. 
So God called you to plant this church. Yes. And so tell us a little bit about the Triad Adventist Fellowship and how it's different or distinct, what, what it does in the community that previous Adventist churches weren't doing. So the Piedmont Triad area of North Carolina, which is Greensboro, Winston-Salem, High Point, there's approximately 1.6 million people in the Triad. Wow. So it's a, fair, it's a larger area, but there were all of the Adventist churches in the area were all the same, very mm. uh, traditional, contemporary, con- traditional music, organ, hymnal. Um, none of them really played into a non-traditional vibe. And the Triad area also has 16 colleges and universities. So there's a lot of young people in the area and none of the churches were really doing a very good job at reaching young people. So when we, when we planted Triad Adventist Fellowship, we call it TAF for short. Uh, when we planted it, we wanted to be a church where those who were either disconnected from the church, never been to church, uh, didn't want to go and wear a suit every week and didn't wanted to hear more contemporary music, a place where they would feel welcome. Uh, so we are a, a non-traditional church. We uh, have contemporary music. We have drums, guitars, keyboards, whatever. Um, we have breakfast and lunch every single week. You come as you are every week. We'll have somebody wearing a suit and somebody wearing shorts. Mm. Uh, I preach generally in jeans. Uh, well, I was going to say I haven't been struck by lightning, but I have been mm-hmm. stung by a wasp. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's, literally last Sabbath. Yeah. Yesterday. Or yeah. The last Sabbath. That was uh, while I was preaching, I got stung by a wasp. And if you go to my Facebook page, you can actually see a clip of one. I got, Probably got that's done, a sign, so. right? We, should, we should show note that. <laughs> yeah. So you we, see, we can. Don't follow this guy, but man, is he interesting. <laughs> and the, the, the message was on worrying. I said, don't worry. Um, luckily, wow. I'm not allergic. It would have been, I said afterwards, it would have been kind of funny if I was allergic. Because if I right. would have started swelling up on the yeah. stage. But don't so worry. You have to finish <laughs> but, but, but don't worry. And the sermon will end soon, sooner and stuff. What a sermon illustration. You're literally <laughs> preaching about don't worry. And God's like, hey, Matt, let's see how serious you are about this. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, it's, it's, a great church to be at. You know, everyone is welcome. We're very active in our community, helping out with homeless. And almost every week we'll have somebody from the community, whether we've met through homeless ministries, show up at the church and no matter who's there, they're always welcome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I happen to live uh, uh, really close to that area uh, in Asheboro. And I can attest like there's, uh, there's many churches in the area, but none of them have um, that uh, mission uh, there's, uh, we're going to talk about this more in detail, like the high church and how most of the traditional churches around the area are uh, probably not able to connect with most of the communities. And I see, like at least in that area, there's a lot of uh, young people and mm-hmm. college students. And well, I, I just want to uh, talk about this uh, whole experience. Uh, what made you go through that? Uh, style of church because some people are really like saying like, huh, you're just trying to copy the world. You know, you're just trying to make uh, yourself trendy and stuff. And, and we know that's not the case. We know that's not the case, but mm-hmm. how, how can we just explain to the high church that there's not only one box that, hey, this is the only way that you do church, you know? Well, I think that, you know, one example I used to use was that if you're going to go fishing, uh, it depends on what you're going to fish for. If mm-hmm. you're going deep sea fishing, you're not going to use the same equipment, the same lure, the same bait as if you're going to go, uh, you know, go fishing for bluegill uh, or some small fish. You, you, you alter what you use 
based upon who you're trying to reach or what you're trying to fish. Um, so, you know, we, we had a goal that we wanted to reach people who were, uh, who wouldn't necessarily be comfortable, um, in a more traditional setting. So if you want to reach people who may not like that setting, you have to do something a little bit different. Um, and you know, for me personally, it's, it's, it's been a, a, a progression. You know, I, I didn't grow up Adventist. I grew up in a church of Christ, which, uh, is, you know, all acapella music. And as somebody who has no musical ability and can't carry a tune, mm-hmm. it's rough to grow up in a church where <laughs> you can't do any of that. Where you can't use musical instruments to kind of cover the fact that you can't sing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, that's how I was raised. But I was, you know, eventually when I was in law school, I actually met my wife in law school. And mm-hmm. that I know of, she was the very first Adventist I'd ever met. Never even heard the term Seventh-day Adventist before mm-hmm. that. And I read myself in the church and I actually went from... Um, I came into a church that had organs and pianos. Mm-hmm. And for me coming from a church of Christ background, that music was wild to me. Wow. <laughs> so, so for the record, Adventist music was too wild for you. Absolutely. And, oh, well, man. You're calling it Adventist music too is the thing, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, see. Wow. See? So this like Neo, this Neo traditionalist liturgy was just like otherworldly and a stumbling block. So liberal to you. Yep. Wow. And, and it was, the church that my wife grew up in, uh, great organist, great pianist, mm-hmm. um, and, and but they were it was almost like they were too good because wow. it was almost to me it felt like I was at a concert. Mm-hmm. Well, like uh, it was about the performers <laughs> and not the performance. Yes. So my, my wife's grandmother was a member of a little tiny country church with yeah. like ten or fifteen people, and they had an organist and a pianist, and mm-hmm. her grandmother was a pianist. Now quite frankly, neither of them were very good. Right. Um, so I felt more comfortable there because it wasn't about a performance. <laughs> they were there just doing because the best they, they good. could. Wow. <laughs> wow. Haven't you heard this a thousand times? I think when I was in, Matt, we're, as we're walking here, we got ourselves some delicious ice pops at Math ACBC. And uh, we're talking about how you'd listen to um, the spiritual policeman thing. When I was in my spiritual policeman days, that's what I would say. Like, oh, that's that's why I find wrong with contemporary music. It's about the performance and not enough about God. Yep. And it, you're literally saying this authentically without that any of that vo- vocalization in your mind. That's what you're experiencing with the org. Absolutely. So yeah. <laughs> so I I went down when I came into the church. I went from. Before being baptized, I was I was drinking, I was smoking, mm-hmm. I was I was living a life far from Christ. But the music, though, the music at that when I when I was listening to before becoming an Adventist, mm-hmm. it, it was everything. It was rock, it was rap, it was everything. But at church, everything it was different. But, yes, at, wow. at church, that's interesting. At church, didn't help your music yeah. life at home. And I remember as a kid driving to church with my parents in the car with my parents, and we mm-hmm. would on the way to church we'd be listening to a, a classic rock station. And you get to the church, we get out, we go into the church and, and it would be all acapella. And then wow, the we, we get into the car and listen to classic rock again on the way home. <laughs> and it is, it's it just, it never clicked to me until later, mm-hmm. um, kind of what was going on there. But when I, when I came into the Adventist church, I, I went the legalistic route. I, I read mm. and I was very conservative. I was, mm-hmm. you know, didn't want to listen to any, you know, Caleb was, no, I can't listen to Caleb. That's, that's, even That's though, even though it's yeah, it's the world's version mm-hmm. of, mm. of it's the church's version of world worldly music. Um, but you know, as I continued to study and as as the Lord worked on me, I saw that you know there's that wasn't the case. It was you know 
we needed to reach people where they were at. And I think ultimately what kind of led me down that path was um, the church that we planted out of, our mother church. Um, I was a young adult Sabbath school teacher. And I only became that because nobody volunteered and I was mm. the youngest person on the nominating committee. <laughs> um, so I got put into that position. Um, but it was actually probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Because uh, mm. the very first week I went into that young adult Sabbath school class, nobody showed up. Um, but I, I said, I'm a little bit stubborn. My wife will tell you I'm a lot stubborn. Um, <laughs> I will, I, I said, somebody would come, somebody walked by and said, why don't you come next door to another Sabbath school? I said, no, I'm staying in this young adult Sabbath school class in case somebody showed up. Somebody's wow. going to be here. It's wow. good to be stubborn um, sometimes. Huh? Yeah. 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 So I, I was like, well, you know what, what would get young adults here? So I started yes. bringing donuts, uh-huh. uh, orange juice. I started bringing food uh-huh. and eventually they started showing up. And, you know, I started learning from these young adults that it wasn't about, you know, the legalistic. We had, we had, I had to reach them where they were at. And, uh-huh. and there were some weeks that we got really deep into the word. Uh-huh. Some weeks where we spent almost the entire Sabbath school talking about what was going on in their life um, because mm. it was about building relationships. Yes. And, we, mm. and we had to do that. And that was, it was that experience that kind of shifted my mindset that we need, we need, I need to do whatever I could to reach people who are far from Christ. So what you're saying, uh, Matt, is that your experience, your hands-on experience is what actually helped you to move from this side to the other side. It was not only about theory. It was not only about, hey, this sounds or intellectually it, it makes more sense. It is actually the necessity that nobody was there. You had to do it. And, and then just by the fact that you are doing something, that is where God was working and show you that way. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was literally the point that, you know, I wanted to, I saw these young people and I remembered what I went through as a young person mm-hmm. and there wasn't really anybody there trying to reach out to me. I eventually, I, I was an adult when I came back into the, into a church mm. um, and I wanted to make sure that they didn't go through, through the same route. And I, I remember my wife talking about that, you know, she was raised in Adventist and she mm-hmm. would, she would look around uh, on, on Facebook and social media and in the church and everyone that she went to church school with was gone. Mm. None of them were in the church anymore. And you know, you know, all the, I started getting into the, you know, the theory of it too. I started looking at all the studies and everyone assumed that when they, when these young young adults they would leave the church, but when they had kids, they would come back. Yes. And all the studies started to show. Wait, mm-hmm. they're not coming back anymore. Yeah, uh, and we can't wait for them to come back. We had to keep them from leaving in the first place. Mm-hmm. That uh, driver's license to wedding license hiatus is no longer. Yes, I mean, first of all, people aren't a lot less. People are getting married. They're mm-hmm. just yes continuing. That's a trend. Just well, this is my life partner, and, yeah. and there's nothing wrong or good inherently uh, from that. But at the same time, it used to be the, a good excuse for taking your kids back to church, but that is not the case. Like mm. it's no, it's no longer the case no more. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And you can also, you know, even look at a lot of, maybe, maybe a reason why they don't come back is, you know, mm. it used to be you bring your kids back so they'd be in church. Well, I mean, you can do all that online nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my church is online. So, you know, I remember when we started live streaming, you know, people were worried, well, are people, is our attendance going to start going down? Um, and I was like, you know, I hope not, but I don't really care. If, mm. if Would I rather have them watch my service online and not come to church or not come to church and not watch my service online? Yeah, I would rather have them hear the word of God, even if it's not in my physical location, um, because it's, it's not about this, the 
statistic. Um, and that's maybe I've said this in other areas and sometimes I think I get myself in trouble that the, the metrics used by the Adventist church, I don't really like, uh, mm. they, they look at tithe dollars and attendance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, what are your metrics for how, what, of what works? Well, I, I think, I think there needs to be an addition of a metric of church planning. Uh, because there, there may be, pa- there are, uh, not maybe, there are pastors out there that don't like church planning because if they send, if they plan another church, yes. what happens? They lose tithe, they lose membership. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and some of the most strong, active leaders. Strong leadership. Yeah, that was my thing. You my, were an elder, weren't you? I was an elder of the church, yes. And, and then you they plant, lose you. implanted. Yep. They lost you. They lost you. Yep. And they, you know, the church that we planted out of, when we, when we left and planted, their average attendance was probably around 200. Mm-hmm. Um, their average attendance now is probably around 220, and my church's average attendance is about 180. Um, Praise the Lord. So wow. you know, God's math doesn't work the way man's math does. Amen. Um, and so they're they're back. Their numbers are higher than they were when we left, and now we're reaching more people that weren't being reached before. So, but, mm. but you know, the, the metrics used are it doesn't make sense for a pastor to plan a, to a, plan a church based on the current metrics. So. I'd like to see an area and, and a metric of church planning to encourage that. But also it's, you know, sometimes you look at church membership and, and you know, a lot of churches, their attendance is about half of what their membership is. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, it, it, at half our member, our attendance is actually higher than our membership. Praise um, the Lord. And that's, ideally that's the way it should be in every church. Yeah. Um, that, that's but, ideal. Yeah. But you know, a lot Visitors. of churches, yeah. But a lot of churches don't want to drop members who may not have been at a church for a decade because it's, we want to be a certain size church within the denomination and yeah. makes us look better if we have so many members. Yeah. Yes, um, yes. So it, you know, the metrics need to get away from things like that more about, you know, what are we doing in the community? The community even know who we are. You know, the, the saying has gone around that if our church ceased to exist with mm-hmm. the community, even know we were gone. Mm. Um, and, you know, I want my church to be felt that if mm-hmm. we're not there, the community is like, wait a minute, we want you to come back. Yeah. Or how long will it take for them to realize that yeah. we're gone? Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, it's, you know, the metrics are, you know, what are you doing in your community? Just how many people are you introducing to Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I've also got, I get myself in trouble quite a bit. Um, I've also <laughs> got myself in trouble talking about our very, our first and foremost thing isn't to make Seventh-day Adventists, is to make Christ followers. Mm. Um, okay. And then my hope and desire is that as they become a Christ follower and as they study, they mm-hmm. will then yes. become an Adventist yes. when they see the truth. But my, my number one goal isn't to make somebody a Seventh-day Adventist. It's can I make them into a Christ follower? Yeah. Wow. Because so if I hear you correctly, if we focus too much on Adventist, well, we will sully what it means to be an Adventist. If we help people follow Jesus, do you think they'll follow him into Adventism? If they continue to study, I think they will. Mm. Um, but, you know, if they don't, at least they're a Christ follower. Mm, exactly. And, and not every, you know, it won't, heaven isn't an Adventist home. Mm. There will be non-Adventists in heaven. Um, and, you know, I would rather have somebody be a Christ follower in a non-Adventist church than far from Christ. Yeah. Wow. And about the metrics that you mentioned, uh, I also feel that, we are pushing more into things that we can see with our eyes or count with our fingers. You know, uh, when it comes to attendance, we can count that yep. with numbers. When it comes to uh, money, we can count the money. 
But when it comes to engagement and experiences, sometimes we cannot measure that, at least not in a in an efficient, quote-unquote efficient way. Yep. But I feel that that's what uh, Jesus is calling us to do. And that is a big, big, big thing, yeah. And yep. I don't think you'll get in trouble nowadays. And there's a lot of people that are actually pushing that. And and that's that's totally biblical, you know? I mean, it's Christ's method. Yeah. He met mm-hmm. people where they were at. Mm-hmm. He didn't wait for them to come to him. He went to where people were at. He met their need. He ministered to them. And then only then did he say, follow me. Um, yeah, that's Ellen White talked about Christ's method yeah. alone. Mm-hmm. We need to actually follow that and actually do what, what she said and what she got from what Jesus's life is and go meet people where that and meet their needs. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons why we focus on the homeless and the hungry was that there was probably about four or five years ago, there was a study that came out that put the Piedmont Triad area mm-hmm. as the number one in the nation for mm-hmm. food insecurity. And yeah, you know, I would have thought, well, maybe in the state, maybe in the state is number one in the nation. I mean, you think about Chicago, LA, nation. New York, wow. know, Oakland. All, yeah. All those areas. Greensboro, High Point, Winston-Salem was number one in the nation for food insecurity. And I was like, how in the world can we do that? How, how can we, how can we see those statistics and not do something about it? Um, so, you know, that was, our number one thing that we started at tackling, you know, we, we, we feed the homeless in a, a downtown park every Friday morning. Once a month, we go to another, another city. We go to a homeless shelter and provide a meal. Um, we, we do food boxes quarterly that we actually go to the same people over and over again. So Tell we me build more about a relationship that. with them. You know, you, sometimes you'll do a Thanksgiving food box. Right. And so you, you'll just, you'll get a name somewhere and you just drop it off and, and Maybe you'll throw a septic Christ in with it or do, mm-hmm. you'll throw something in there. And, but you have no relationship. So right. it's like they're thankful for the food, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's just food. Yeah. But, you know, when you actually use, when you visit the same people over and over again, and it's, and it's not just once a year, you're building a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the type of thing. You know, we, we don't give them this food and say, well, if you're thankful, you'll come to you my come, church exactly. next week. Was, we, we, we give it to them yes. and we'll include a step to Christ. We'll include something in it, but it's, there's no strings attached. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a couple months later, we'll go back, go to that, the same people and give them something and we'll get to learn who their family is, know their kids' names. Um, you know, Christmas time, we'll often get presents for the kids because we actually know who the kids are and their sizes. And we'll, you know, yeah, actually, again, build that relationship. And that is what, will eventually have them think, if I want to go to a church, that's the type of church I want to go to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they didn't come here to get something from me. Yeah. They came just because I needed help. And, and there's a big difference between a program, running a program, a community service event, that you just give food and that's it. And oh, we're doing something good. And a ministry, something yeah. that you're doing consistently. And I've, I've seen many, many cases in many churches. They don't want to have food pantries or those things because what if those people never come to church? And he said, that's not for us to, to mm. that, that is not our job for them to come or not to come. That's the Holy Spirit working in them. We do this because we love people. Jesus loves people. But some part of our churches, they, they, I, they are on the boat when it comes to doing good deeds, but their intention yeah. is pretty much like they should come to our church. Yeah. And, I really appreciate that that uh, position where you're coming from because that makes a big difference. You actually don't care if they don't they come or not because that's not our our, our job. 
Mm-hmm. And well, that's a big, big thing that uh, I think that most of our traditional churches don't don't get it, and they do yeah. it every now and then. They do it in isolated situations, uh, but there's some that they do, and yeah. And sometimes we may say we want that we we want them to come to our church, but do we really want them to come uh, to our church? If, if smelling if, funny, if, if a person who and, walks in who's been homeless, who yes. may smell like alcohol, may smell yes. like nicotine, if they come into the church, do we really want that person in our church? Wow, that, that's do, a good do question. We, will they really feel comfortable in the church? Mm. You know, we had a young lady who's a, a single mom show up in, in the summertime in, at our church wearing a sundress and she had a very prominent tattoo, almost a full sleeve, but it was a very prominent tattoo on her shoulder. And, and you know, she was a young adult, single mother. And I kind of get, I kind of rallied some of our young adults and said, there, you know, go meet her, go, mm-hmm. go make her feel welcome. And, and afterwards we talked to her and had, you know, she stayed for lunch cause we have lunch every week and got to know her. And she told us that the week before she had been to another area church wearing almost uh, another Seventh-day Adventist, another Seventh-day Adventist church, okay, wearing a sundress and a, a, a person came up to her and told her that uh, she needed to put a sweater on and cover up her tattoos because it wasn't appropriate to show those in the church. And she said that she picked up her kid, turned around and walked right back out of the church. Wow. Didn't stay for church, and she's when she told us that we were the last option. Wow! And praise God that you were the last option. Wow! <laughs> so I mean, we, we do we really are we, will those people really feel comfortable? Do we mm-hmm. really want them there? We may say, you know, some churches say, "Well, everyone's welcome in our church." Well, are yeah. they? Yeah, you know, really, yeah. you know, and that's you know that's something that you know, I think we have to ask ourselves, and you know. It's, even in my church, there may be some people that when somebody comes in, they might not feel completely comfortable with that person there. But, you know, we should because mm-hmm. anyone and everyone who came to Jesus felt comfortable. They never felt judged by Jesus. And that's the model we should try and live up to. Mm. So even what you're saying now is that there's some church members that are still even there in, in your church not feeling it. And that is also a word of caution of all of us. We need always to be intentional. Because it's really easy to be judgmental. I mean, if you, it just takes a moment and you just start judging people. Yeah. You and mean, that's our human nature. Making a church progressive isn't all you need to do. I mean, I don't think you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and I appreciate that because I hear you saying that God called you to plant this church. That this progressive church was the, what you were saying the community needed. Yep. But you're not saying every church should have. No, the stage no. and the drums and how you're doing it. This is just how you're fishing for those who weren't being caught. Yep. And you know, but it, that the, the community, like what are, as we're wrapping up here, because you have to go to court, could you wrap up for us? What are the essentials to growing church? The essentials I would say to growing a church is to, it has to do with making people feel welcome mm-hmm. and building relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, Oftentimes we will focus on the one hour or two hours or however long that church service is, but there are 168 hours in a week. Mm-hmm. We focus on one. What about the other 167? We have, we've got to be focused on more than just what happens on Saturday morning at church. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to be building relationships. We've got to be, you know, being able to interact with each other. And you know, it, it's all about, you know, to me, it's all about the relationship. If you don't have a relationship with somebody, then you can't expect them to come to your church. It's, you know, we can, 
I can go knock on a hundred doors and hand them an invitation to my church. Probably maybe one will show up. Mm -hmm. But if I go to the people that I know personally that have a relationship with me, that know who I am and I invite them to church, I have a lot better chance of getting those people to come to church because they know who I am and they know, you know, they're not going to feel uncomfortable walking in because they know somebody there. Um, you know, even, even as an Adventist, when I'm, when I'm traveling and I'm, I go to a, an Adventist church that I've never been to before, it's still a little uneasy to walk into a church when you don't know anybody there. Um, you know, that's, I think of somebody trying to walk up to a church, to my church, when they walk in, do they feel comfortable? Do they feel welcome? Um, so, you know, they often say that within 15 seconds of entering yeah. the door, they know whether they'll ever come back. Yeah. Mm. So the greeters, you know, it's, it's not just, here's your bulletin, have a good day, happy Sabbath. Mm. And, you know, get away so I can hand it to the next happy person. Happy what? Happy Sabbath. What's a Sabbath? <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, but it, it's, it's about, you know, we have our greeters to where when somebody comes in, if, if they don't know who they are, they say, yeah, I'm not sure we've met. Mm -hmm. You know, this is your first time here. I'm not sure we've met. And sometimes I'll be like, no, we've been here before. It's like, Oh, well, welcome back. You know, it's, you know, faces are not good for me, but mm -hmm. if it's their first time, it's not, Hey, here's, here, here's a bulletin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, let me show you around. So mm -hmm. they will actually give a person a tour and somebody else will kind of fill in behind them. So it's not just, I'm the greeter for the day. It's, there's a team that so that anyone who comes in, they'll get the full show. They'll, they'll mm -hmm. be, be able to show them where breakfast is, show them where they have kids, where the kids, children's church is, where, where the sanctuary is, where, where we have lunch every week. And it's, again, even in that short time frame, it's about building a relationship with somebody. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, that's, you know, even five minutes, you can build a relationship in five minutes, not a very deep relationship, but it'll be at least a relationship that you can build up. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you had built a relationship with me, if I never heard of a happy Sabbath, if you gave me one, but then told me, yep. game changer, right? Yeah. Thank Absolutely. you so much, Matt. You can apply that to any church situation. If you're struggling and I think you could probably apply that to back when the traditional churches you're working with, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And it's, you know, again, a, a progressive church, I'm not solely advocating all new churches have to, they don't yeah. have to be because, yeah. you know, I actually live in Randolph County, which is where Ashboro is. Yeah. Uh, so out where I live in the country, if I were to plant a church out there, I wouldn't <laughs> plant a church like I planted in Greensboro exactly. because yes. you, again, you have to look, what are you fishing for? Who are you trying yeah. to reach? And if I planted a church in the country, I probably wouldn't be trying to do the same things that we do at our church in a city where it's with a lot of young people and that's yes. more progressive. Um, I'm pretty sure, Matt, you have like many, uh, highs and lows in this uh, whole journey towards, because it's not a church plant anymore. It's a church officially. Um, what are your, what are your projects that you have uh, on the, on the, what, what are your projects that you have uh, planned or something exciting? Because I, I believe it's not only about staying there, but growing more, something that you can share. We are, we are working on a second church plant. Oh, um, we, we told ourselves, when Praise we, the Lord, man. Yeah, we told ourselves when we planted that when our membership hit 120, we'd plant again, that we didn't want to become a big church. We, we didn't mm. want to just keep growing and growing and growing. And so we said, we wanted to be about 120 people. When we got to there, we'd start planting another church and we didn't realize we we're going to get to 120 quite as quickly as we did. Um, but you know, we're, we're starting that process and it would, the idea for that church will be, we're looking at downtown Greensboro, mm. uh, looking to specifically target young professionals, college-age uh, kids, adults, 
and uh, but reach that generation. Uh, and I won't be the leader of that because I'm 42. I'm not a young person anymore. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, so you know, it's but we have a, a group of young adults that are that are that are working on that, creating their core team, and going through that process. Because as I mentioned, there are a lot of colleges and universities. And still, even even my church hasn't done a great job at reaching the college and universities. You know, none of us are doing a good job. So we want to we want to create a church plant off of our church that intentionally focuses on the colleges, universities, young professionals. Oh, awesome. that's amazing! Hey, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate this conversation. We learned a lot about this experience, and this was it. We also like to uh, hear from you, the, our listeners. You can connect with us. There's many ways, uh, especially uh, Twitter. We have our Twitter account, which is Clarity underscore podcast. We have a Facebook account as well, which is facebook.com slash Clarity Podcast. Please, if you can, rate, review, share, um, comment. Uh, we'll have uh, some interesting uh, things to talk about there. And we really appreciate you for giving us an opportunity of being part of your life during this episode. Please stay tuned for more every 15 days, uh, hopefully. Uh, I'm Ruben. And I'm Rich. And this was Clarity.